having a short series called Difference Makers. Uh, started last week. Uh, we'll be uh, ending it next week, just three weeks. But Paul, at the end of Colossians, uh, has some final instructions for the Colossian church. And, and they're kind of follow-ups on, on the way he started the letter. In other words, last week we looked at prayer. He started the, the letter by talking about the importance of prayer. And at the end, he encouraged the Colossians to pray diligently. But not just to pray diligently but also to pray for him. Paul was in prison and he was asking for them to pray not that God would change his circumstances, but rather that God would open doors for him in spite of those circumstances. Uh, today we're going to be looking at uh, the second part of what Paul says to the Colossians, and it's about acting wisely. Again, at the beginning of his letter, he mentions that he wants them to know godly wisdom. And at the end of the letter, he wants them to actually practice it. Wisdom's an interesting thing. I ran across a book this week, just totally by accident, and it's called The Mammoth Book of Insults. I don't know. I hope I'm not in the habit of insulting people, but it just kind of looked interesting, so I, I kind of checked it out. Um, just as an example, Winston Churchill uh, was sent two tickets to a play by the playwright, and he said, well, he said, I sent two tickets because maybe you can bring a friend if you have one. And Winston Churchill responded, can't come opening night, but I'll come the second night if there is one. <laughs> so... Those kinds of things, but related to wisdom, who knew? There's some little things. Uh, he donated his brain to science, uh, but they made an early withdrawal. Um, when you look into his eyes, the only thing you see is the back of his head. Uh, if ignorance is bliss, then he must be the happiest man alive. Uh, his brain is as good as new, simply because it's never been used. And he was born ignorant, and he's been losing ground ever since. Now, I'm from the South. And if you say those things, as long as you say bless your heart at the end, you can, you can get away with it. But what Paul is talking about is not about insulting people. Insulting people is not acting wisely, as Paul is going to encourage us to do here. Uh, Paul in Colossians 4 verse 5 says this, Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. So the first question is, who are the outsiders? Well, the outsiders are simply people who are outside of the faith. We might call them non-believers. They are, are people who do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And when they're called outsiders, that might sound like a little harsh term, but it's not meant to be that way. It's simply a matter of identifying people who are outside of the faith. And it certainly does not imply that those of us who are insiders, those of us who are believers, are in any way superior to those on the outside. God loves us all equally and and Christ died for all of us so that's not what it means it just means that there are people who are outside the faith and what Paul is trying to get them to understand is this that our job as insiders is to try to bring as many outsiders into the family of God as we can but then he says that we have to be wise in the way that we act toward people who are not believers in Jesus Christ. In fact, the, the term be wise in the way you act really speaks to proper conduct. We should use proper conduct in the way that we relate to those who are outside of the faith. In fact, other places in the New Testament, uh, this word will be translated walk. 
In other words, we talk about our walk with Christ. And what he's really saying here is in wisdom, be walking. That wisdom provides the proper environment for our interactions with other people in our Christian walk. And also divine wisdom is the only way that we can make a positive influence for Christ in our relationship with others. But he also says to make the most of every opportunity. And this is really a continuation of the being wise part. Because this is just one of the ways that you can be wise. You can make the most of every opportunity that comes your way. To make the most is, means to redeem or to buy back. And the idea is that we need to make the most of the time we have. We know how short time is. We know how fast time goes by. And we only have a limited amount of time. That we can make a difference. And so what Paul is saying is, look, really make the most of this time that you have been given and the opportunities that come your way. But here's the interesting thing. Paul doesn't say that you need to have this wisdom so that you can be wise in the way that you act and that you can make the most of every opportunity if it comes your way. That's not what he says at all. The implication of what he says is that opportunities are coming your way. Every day, opportunities are there. Every waking moment of your life is an opportunity to make a difference for Christ. In your relationship with others, in the way you interact at work and at school, and in your just walking down the street or in your neighborhoods or with your family, every day brings an opportunity for interaction. And when you're interacting with those who are outside of the faith, if our job is to bring people into the faith, then shouldn't we make the most of every opportunity because time is certainly very short. I think that we need to realize that when opportunities come our way, sometimes we'll, we'll say, well, there was an opportunity that was there and I kind of passed on it. Well, that's a euphemism for saying you missed it. <laughs> uh, we need to be careful that we don't make excuses for passing on opportunities. When an opportunity comes, take advantage of it because it might not come any other time. So, another question that needs to be answered is this. Where do you find this wisdom that we need? If we need the wisdom in how to act with these folks, how in the world do we find it? Well, for one thing, it's not something you can manufacture inside of yourself. And it's not something that's going to come naturally to you because you say, well, I'm just naturally a good person. Well, none of us are naturally good. Our nature is the opposite of good. We are bad people by our very nature. When Christ comes in, he changes us and he transforms us, but none of us are good on our own. So where do we find it? Well, if it's not automatic, then we need to find it someplace. James 1.5 says this, If any of you lacks wisdom... You should ask God, who gives generously to all, without finding fault, and it will be given to you. James, in this particular passage, in this context, is speaking specifically about when trials come into your life. But we need wisdom in all situations. Godly wisdom is needed in all situations in life. And as it relates to, to our interactions with other people, especially those people who are outside the faith, certainly we need this godly wisdom that only comes if we ask. The neat thing about this is that God doesn't find fault with us when we ask. 
You know, we, we, sometimes we feel kind of embarrassed, you know, to, to go before God. God, I, I know I should know this, but... Well, it says God doesn't find fault with that. God wants you to ask for wisdom. He gives it graciously. He enjoys giving wisdom. In fact, there's a wonderful passage in 1 Kings chapter 3 where King Solomon to kind of sum it up, comes to God and says, look, I've got to govern these people and I don't have a clue how I'm going to do it. So Lord, I need wisdom. I need your wisdom to know how I'm going to do this. And verse 10 of 1 Kings 3 says that it pleased God that Solomon asked. It pleased God that Solomon asked. And the reason it pleased God was because it showed that King Solomon was not arrogant. He wasn't going to go out and try to do it on his own. That he really was dependent on God. He relied on God for strength, but also for wisdom. And God graciously gave it to him. And he'll do the same for us if we ask. How do you find it? Well, you know, he might show it to you in his word. He might show it to you when you're listening to him in prayer rather than speaking to him. But he'll show you in a variety of ways. So, what does it look like? When we interact with other people, is there a way to describe what it looks like? Well, I don't know if we can describe what it looks like, but I'll, I'll tell you what word describes it, and that's integrity. What Paul is writing about here in our relationship to everybody, but especially he says here, or specifically, in our relationship with people who are outside of the faith, you have to act with integrity. Here's what that means. It means that you deal with people honestly. It means that you do your work. It means that you pay your bills. It means that you pay your taxes. It means that you keep your promise. It means that you have integrity in your dealing with other people. Here's why it is so important when dealing with people who are outside the faith. One of the things is the people who are outside of the faith probably don't care what you say or what you write or what you preach. What they care about is what they see in the way that you live. And I know a lot of times people will, will say, well, what in the world can someone outside of the faith really know about what it means to live as a Christian? Well, they know a whole lot more than you think they know. They really do. They have heard, they have seen about what it means to be a follower of Christ. Maybe they don't know all the details, but they know enough to know when you're not living it. And it's obvious to them. And so the question is, for them, is why would I want to be a part of that? You know, why, why, would, why would I want to follow a God when the people that follow him are dishonest and cheat and are stingy, don't work hard, you know? People know a whole lot more than you think. And also, we need to remember that people outside of the faith put a much higher value on our honesty and on our integrity than they do on our doctrine. It, it does really not a lot of good to explain to them all the doctrine of the church. If we're not going to live what that doctrine implies in our lives. 
It's, it's not going to do a whole lot of good to share with them uh, scripture if, if we are not mirroring that scripture that we are, are sharing with them. In fact, Albert Barnes wrote in the 19th century, a long, long time ago, he said, if you have cheated a man out of ever so small a sum, it is vain that you talk to him about the salvation of his soul. If you have failed to pay him a debt when it was due, or to finish a piece of work when you promised it, or to tell him the exact truth in conversation, it is vain for you to endeavor to induce him to be a Christian. One of the things that we need to remember in our walk with Christ is that we are not the ones who do the converting. That's the job of the Holy Spirit. We, we are to live our lives in a way that reflect what we believe, and we are to share our faith with others in all sorts of different ways. But in the end, it's the Holy Spirit that does the convicting and the saving, okay? We don't have the power to do that, but there is something that we do have the power to do, and that's that we have the power to drive people away from the faith. By the way we act, by the way we speak, by the things we do and by the things that we don't do. Don't exercise that power that you have. And secondly, we need to realize that we are not witnessing to ourselves or for ourselves or of ourselves, however you want to put it. In other words, when, when I talk about my faith, I, I'm not talking about myself. I'm talking about a difference that Christ has made in me, certainly. But it's not to draw people to me. It's also not to draw people to Clarksburg Baptist Church. As odd as that might sound. But it's meant to draw people to Christ. I want to live in such a way. Paul instructs us to live and to interact with people who are outside the faith in such a way. Not that they'll say, gee, David's a great person. Or man, that's a super church. But rather that they would come into a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's the witness that we want to give. You see, we're going to make a difference one way or the other in our lives by the way that we live and by the way that we speak. We're going to make a difference. We really are. It's either going to be a good difference or a bad difference, but it's going to be a difference. And I hope that today that we would look at what Paul has said to us, that we would seek out godly wisdom, that our wisdom and our interactions with people who are outside the faith would not come from us. But I also hope that we would pray that we would live and that every opportunity that comes our way, that we would respond in such a way that honors Christ and directs people to him. What about you? What about your life? Are there some things that you need to work on? I'll confess today that there's some things I need to. So why don't we do it together? Let's pray.